0: You are listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit CrosspointChurchTX.org. So how many of you got up early and came to church early this morning because you forgot to set your clocks back? Yeah, a couple of you. Yeah, yeah. At some in the first service that they admitted it, and so we had to have confession time in the first service. <laughs> and uh, no, I mean we have, Becky and I did that. We were, we were newly married and didn't have kids yet, and I don't think phones were a thing. I mean, I'm sure we had them, but they weren't like they are today, where they remind you of everything. And uh, so we got up early, we went to church. I was on staff. We're at church and pull up, and like nobody's there, and we were like, oh my gosh, and then we realized what happened, and so we went grocery shopping. You know, we had an extra hour, so what do we do? But anyway, so I'm glad that you're here. And uh, again, we're sorry. We had a uh, minor catastrophe in the kids area yesterday. Somebody took a drink of water and it just, it's uh, still drinking 24 hours later. And so it was all over the place. And so anyway, we'll, we'll get to that at some point, but, and I also want to say thank you to you as a church. You allowed us as a staff this week to go away to Dallas, the right now conference and to be renewed, refreshed. Um, they'll send it to different speakers and worship and time together. And it was just good to get together and as a staff and leadership team and just laugh and, uh, do all the different things that they do. And, and one of my gifts is I can tell stories. Like I can like, and the, the furthest from the truth that they are, the better that I am at them. Okay. And so we were on the trip together and I happened to be in a car. It was mostly children's team workers and, um, <clears throat> we're talking about and planning out the details of Christmas season and stuff. And so, I was like, hey, it would be really cool if, with the Advent, we tied in, like, live animals. And, uh, like, they're like, what? And I'm like, just think about this. Like, as we open up every little part of the story of Advent, there's little pieces, you know, peace, hope, love, all this different stuff. Like, there's got to be an animal, like a spirit animal that's tied to that thing. And so, like, I mean, surely alpacas have got to be bringing hope or love or something. I mean, right. And so, like, let's bring them and we got to find diapers for them, whatever we need to do. But, like, let's bring in these animals. And the team is like, oh, my gosh, he's finally got off his rocker. And uh, one of the persons in there knew I wasn't fully telling the truth. I mean, we had talked about being creative, but I was just kind of adding to other persons like, like really like taking this in. And they're like, I'm, I could see it in their eyes. Like I'm listening to him, but I'm resigning on Monday, you know, kind of a thing. And so, uh, I mean, it it was fun. And finally we told them that I was just kidding or whatever, but it was a fun story to tell. It is good to be in on all that. and, And we do that in life, right? I mean, 91% of us, the statistics say, we, this morning before we got here, lied. And so that means most of us lied in some way. We told the truth and maybe skewed it some way or another. And as a matter of fact, even the great theologian, Megan Trainer says it this way. If your lips are moving, if your lips are moving, if your lips are moving, you're what? You're lying, 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 right? Okay, this is, y'all... Y'all know who Megan Trainor is? Okay, all right. So, I mean, and she said it in threes, which makes it biblical, because that's how they do it and stuff. And so, um, we're just, Scripture tells us we are basically dishonest people, that we have a natural bent toward deception. And that as long as no one will find out the real truth, we will lie. And the reason that we do that is because we work really hard at building up an image of ourselves that we want other people to think about us. And so that's how the fish that was this big becomes this big, is that, you know, it's not a lie that we caught a fish, but we then begin to add on. And so we want to feel good about ourselves and have others feel good about ourselves. The problem is that a half truth is a full lie. Right. And so. The other part of that is many times when we tell lies, it's at the disposal of other people so that we tell things about ourselves so that we can raise ourselves up, but we're pushing other people down. So we're minimizing their goodness and make highlighting their faults so that we can raise up ours. So in Exodus chapter 20, verse 16, Moses has given us the law. And again, remember that these 10 commandments aren't check off things, these are things that they're they're good stuff for us and they're guiding us toward Jesus, toward having the heart and mind and soul in the eyes of Jesus. And it's not about behavior modification, but it's about heart transformation. That's why as we've discussed these, we've talked about, hey, here's the first part of what he's talking about. But then he digs deeper into these things throughout the scripture because he wants us to see, hey, false testifying is one thing, but what does it mean for us To lie in all areas of our life. So Exodus chapter 20 verse 16 says it this way. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. Well, what is false testifying? This is kind of courtroom language. All right. And so today we would say it this way to know the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Right. That's what we want. And so in Moses's day, outside of the Hebrew community, whenever there was a courtroom scene, one person could pull a Present an accusation against someone else, and that would be counted as a ability to have a verdict of guilty if one person testified and accused you of something and said you were guilty. Now, it also helped if that person had wealth and had position that added weight to it. So it was an unfair justice system. So here God gives Moses this new idea of what true justice could be about, and it's built on lips that tell the truth, but also that there's more than one person that testifies. So Moses is from God. His court system is that it needs to have two or three people to be a witness to have an account of what took place. And so you, as a witness, so you're the person making an accusation, you would go to the city gate, And make your accusation, you'd make that accusation, and then you would call on other witnesses. And so you would have a jury of elders, the wise men in the community, they would hear all the evidence, they would listen to the witnesses that come forth, and then they would make a decision. Now, if you were the person that made the first accusation, you're the one that brought this before the court, and they were found guilty, and the punishment was capital punishment, you were then also the one to cast the first stone. So you think seriously then, it changes, like your words can literally put someone to death. And so this is how important it is for God, for us to be honest, people of honesty and people of integrity, and that what comes from our lips is truth. That when we talk about other people, that we are casting the first stone as capital punishment. And so that when you go before a jury of elders and of others and make an accusation, you're saying, I'm willing to be the one to cast the first stone. That's how sure I am that this is the truth. So it reminds us of the story of where Jesus was talking, and there were some men that caught a woman in adultery, if you remember that story. And these men brought the woman that caught in adultery before Jesus, and what's his stance, and what's he say to them? If you truly believe that she's guilty... And you're the one willing to make this accusation Go find the stone So you can be the first one to do And what did they do? They left So it gives us an opportunity to see the courtroom of justice Of what truth and justice is And so our lips And what we say matters As a matter of fact fact, In Zechariah chapter 8 You kind of get that court scene And how much our lips and the things that we say Need to be true matter It says this But this is what you must do Tell the truth to each other. Now, here's the deal. As followers of Jesus, our dad is God, and God is a truth teller. That is his character. That's who he is. He cannot tell a lie. Therefore, as his children, as we become more like him, we should be telling the truth more often than not. If almost never telling a lie, right? And so here we are. We're growing into that. And so, a matter of fact, in the community like this, we should be truth tellers to each other. Now, we know that outside of this, that the only way that that's possible, the transformation to tell the truth all the time is only possible through Jesus Christ transforming our heart and our mind and our eyes. The only way they can do that. So within this community of Jesus followers, this is where we're doing this. We tell the truth to each other in love. The problem is we don't love very well. And sometimes we struggle with telling the truth because if we truly tell the truth, what are the repercussions of that? And we're afraid of losing friends or whatever that might be. And so we don't do that. What's he continue to say? Render verdicts in your courts that are just and lead to peace. Don't scheme against each other. Stop your love of telling lies that you swear are the truth. Man, it's pretty strong words. I hate all these things, says the Lord. Now out of this is this word called perjury, and perjury is a very serious crime. It means that you've said something that's not true. That you falsely accuse someone of something else. And here's what we need to understand, that we, this is actually one of the discussions that we're having in our culture today, even still, is where there is no truth, okay, where there is no absolute truth, there cannot be justice. Now we need to understand this, as followers of Jesus, there are absolute truths. Right. So if there are not absolute truths, then everything is shaky and fuzzy. If there is not black and there is not white and everything is gray, then, then we have a bigger problem. But there are absolute truths. One is there is a God. God created the universe. He created you and he loves you. I mean, we can keep going on, but those are absolute truths that there is no gray area and our neighbors outside of us don't necessarily know that these are absolute truths and they're looking at us. And one of the main ways that they're looking at us to see if the God that we worship is a truth teller is they're watching us to see if our daddy, that we're acting like our daddy and that we're truth tellers. So let's move beyond even the courtroom thing and that what does it look like for us to be truth tellers? Here's what we need to know is this. God forbids every form of of falsehood or lie. And we lie in different ways, right? we have some big lies, which we got sometimes we call whoppers. That's a whopper of a story or little ones or white lies or fibs or sometimes flattery, you know, like, Hey honey, how does this outfit look on me? It looks great. You know, those kind of things. Those are half truths. And those that doesn't happen at my house. I'm the one that asks those questions. Half truths. And um, whenever you tell a half truth that is a full lie. God watches our lips and monitors our lips and in Proverbs chapter 6 verse 16 and 19 he tells us about our our mind and our heart and our eyes but our mouth and he says this, these are six things that the Lord hates. No, seven things he detests. Haughty eyes, okay, the eyes that covet, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, A heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who sows discord in a family. So twice in the seven things that he doesn't like, it has to do with what is coming out of our lips. This lying tongue, this false witness, God hates lying. He wants us to be people of integrity and people of honesty. That should be a part of our characteristic. So how do we lie then? We twist words, don't we? We twist words. We, we leave out details so that it makes the story to our advantage. We overstate our accomplishments. Like some of you were like all-state athletes in high school and junior high and in elementary, right? And you you literally, you would trip over a, a stick. You know, everybody's like, how is he all-state? I don't know. You know, it was no, nobody ran in the 1930s. I don't know. Overstate their accomplishments. Exaggerate other people's um, failings and taking things out. Of context. And so, again, what happens is we raise ourselves up to the detriment of others. We steal the glory of other people so that we can have the glory for ourselves. And so, we, what we do is we say, wow, their life is really stinky. Okay? Their life is really stinky, so because my life isn't as stinky as their life, we raise ourselves up. And so how do we do that? We gossip. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 11 calls it devil talk. That when people get together and they gossip, that it's devil talk. And it's saying it and listening to it. That either we say it, but then also there's those moments where we're hearing it, and we know that it's gossip. And instead of shutting it down, we continue to listen to it. Here's what you need to know. Victims of gossip, and I know that each one of you have been victims of gossip because you're over three. All right? You've been a victim of gossip. If you, when you're that victim, guess what happens? You do not get to defend yourself. You've been placed in court, accusations have been lobbed, and there's no one there to defend you, and you can't defend yourself. And now that if you find out about it a little bit later on, to try to defend yourself makes you look even more guilty, doesn't it? You've been there. And so this gossip thing literally takes life from people. It's devil talk we twist our words to make ourselves look better and there's even those moments that there's gossip that's true like you know something that's true but you use it in a way that's malicious why again to raise yourself up to put other people down because we want we're building an image for ourselves this false reporting of of um intended to bring harm to the other person we gossip and we condemn other people without giving them a hearing and so what do we have in our court system we presume someone is Innocent, not guilty. So in those moments where we're gossiping and we have malicious talk, we're presuming they're guilty, not innocent, and we're putting them before the courtroom of our friends and our peers, and they don't have an opportunity to defend themselves. Some of us are compulsive exaggerators. We just continually are doing it. We'll do anything to mislead, we'll misquote, we'll misinterpret, we'll exaggerate, and we'll just others and faults and minimize our others so we can kind of again raise ourselves up. And so if, if that's you, all of us are in this place. There's been those moments where you have had that moment and thought of, I need to tell this. Okay? And so here's some questions that I want you to ask, alright? Number one, these are heart questions. Number one, is it true? Is this really true? Do I know without without a shadow of a fact, without any doubt that this is a true thing? If so, that's question number one. You can maybe move on. Does it really need to be said to so-and-so? So So you may have something that's true, but the person that you're talking to, do they really need to be the one to hear it, or are they just a convenient audience and jury that you need to pass this on to? Okay? So maybe they are a person that potentially may do this. And then here's a final question for you. If the person I'm talking about was sitting next to me, would they be okay with me sharing this information? And how would it change the way that I changed it if I shared it, if that person was sitting next to me? If those three things check off, then go for it. But I bet for most of us, 99.9% of the time, if the person sitting next to us and all those different things lined up, we would not be talking and sharing things. And we probably wouldn't be listening. If we were on the other side asking the same question, if so-and-so were here, would I want to be hearing that? Would I want to know that in that context in that way? Proverbs chapter 18 says it this way, that the whispering words, the gossiping words of a whisperer are like choice morsels. There's something about gossip that we want because we want to know that our life is not as crappy as our neighbors. And so that makes us feel good to get some juicy morsels about someone else and go, man, I'm glad their life sucks worse than mine. Right? And we may not say it that way, but that's inside that we're just struggling with that. And we're just like, yes, their life, they, they look like they've got it all together, but they don't. Their kid is whatever. They're what? And we just like listen all this stuff. And that is gossip. That's devil talk. You presume innocence. We don't want to be knocking down our neighbors, our brothers and sisters. We want to presume that they're innocent. We want them to know the truth and for the truth to set them free, even for ourselves. So honesty then is the best policy. The opposite of lying is truth. And if our dad is a truth teller, we should be truth tellers as well. God's nature is truth. John fourteen six, his son says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In John chapter 8, verse 32, this passage is actually on the tower at University of Texas. It says this, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Wow. The truth sets us free. The lie is what keeps us in a bondage. John chapter 4, the story of Jesus having to go, having to have an appointment with the Samaritan woman. And they have this long discussion. And one of his final words to her is this, that all of the world will worship me in spirit and in truth. Why? Because truth sets us free. So if our dad's a truth teller, the dad of the world, the prince of the air, Satan, is a deceiver. It's his characteristic. It's who he is. And even Jesus tells people, like, listen, if you're lying, then you are doing what your father does. Telling lies a relationship there in John chapter 8, that we are deceivers. You even see it from the very beginning when Satan is introduced to us in the story of the Garden of Eden. That, that we see that what's his characteristic? He tells lies. He twist, takes the truth and twists it just enough to where we question the truth and then make bad decisions. All of us past the age of 3 maybe even before we've heard the truth we've twisted it just enough so that we can make the decisions that we want and we rationalize and justify those decisions we've lied to ourselves and then we continue to lie to ourselves to justify the lies that we're living in and the consequences of our sin honesty is the best policy truth and integrity with god plus truth and integrity with our neighbors is what god wants that our truth and integrity here with God, impacts our truth and integrity here with each other. That those two things go hand in hand. That we are to be people of the truth because our dad is a dad of truth. Some of you got to read this incredible book called 1984. Any of you ever remember that book? Some of you may be reading it like, no, you're not. It's not really an awesome book, but I enjoyed it, okay? It was a good book. And the author, George Orwell, said this, That so true for today. In a time of universal deceit... Telling the truth is revolutionary. In a time of revolutionary deceit, telling the truth is revolutionary. Listen, you know how I know that's true? Because some of you are complaining about the television stations that you watch because the news isn't telling you the truth all the time. And so you're struggling with that every single day at 5 and 6 and 10 when you turn on the news and you're like, you're questioning, can I trust that they're telling me the truth? And that the same way that we question the television news, sometimes we question our friends, can I trust them that they're always telling me the truth? And in the house of God, that should never be true. That we should be truth tellers in love, that they know that when we speak, With intention that they are telling me the truth. Even if it hurts that my friend is telling me the truth because they love me. But we're in a day and an age when the story is more important than the truth. And when that happens, fact fact and fiction get blurry. And then there's confusion and chaos. Does that sound like our world? Where truth telling is revolutionary and the story is more important than the truth? So listen, we live in a world that's full of chaos because of lies, but some of the chaos is even in our own lives because we tell ourselves lies as well. There's a great story about this in Acts chapter 5, verses 1 and 10. And, and right before that, there's a the story of Joseph. And Joseph is this guy who has some money, has some wealth, and it's the early church. The church is exploding. God's doing some incredible things. And so this man named Joseph went, goes and sells. God laid it on his heart. He goes and sells some property, Takes some proceeds from that property, takes it before the church, Peter and the early dis- the disciples, the early church, and says, hey, here's, we're just going to say $10,000. Here's $10,000 that I've gotten from this property. Use it as you may. I know that we have some people that are in need. Use it. And so the church was so moved by his generosity that they gave him a new name that many of you may recognize. Barnabas. Joseph the guy who went and sold his field and put it before the they became began to call him Barnabas the son of encouragement And so Barnabas is the guy that went with Paul the Apostle Paul and did some early missionary journeys And so he was instrumental in that and so he had a spirit of generosity He was all in and he gave everything well guess what as he people heard the applause of that other people were like man I want that right that's our human nature. We want applause. We want attention and so this husband and wife Ananiah and Sapphira they wanted this, and so they went and they sold their property for $10,000, and they brought it before the church. And Ananias has brought it before Peter and the council, and he said, hey, here, we sold the piece of property just like Barnabas, and we got our money, and here's all of our money. And Peter's like, cool, that's all the money? He's like, yep. And I don't know. We don't know how Peter knew this. But Peter, Spirit of God, talked to him, and he asked him a couple of questions, so he had the opportunity, Ananias, to tell the truth, and he didn't. And finally, after a few questions, Peter said, are you sure that this is the truth? Are you sure that this is everything? And he's like, yes. Boom. Ananias passes away. Like right there. Of course, this hadn't happened before in church. We don't want this to happen very often at church. And so people are like, what's going on? And so some of the guys get together. They take him. They pull him out. And they go and they bury him. All right. Takes a couple of hours. Was well, his wife, she's at home making some stew. It's cold outside. She's wondering, where's Ananias, I don't know where he's at. She's like, he went to go to the church council. It's was one of those meetings where they're voting on carpet. I don't know what's happening. And so something happened. So she goes up to the church and she says, hey, where's my husband? Peter said, you know what? He just left. <laughs> he just left. Yeah. And uh, so, hey, I have a few questions for you because he didn't answer all the questions. Is that all the money? I'm, we're so thankful that you sold the property and you brought the money. That's awesome. It's, is that all the money? Like, is that? And so they went through the same questions. And she's like, yep, yep, yep. The moment, y'all, the scripture tells us, the moment that the guys who had buried her husband walked across the threshold, she dropped dead. And they repeated their actions. And here's the crazy part of that story. I think it's real funny because I have a weird mind. As it says in verse 11, and the church and the community was fearful of the activity of God. Why? Why? I bet there was no lying, lying, lying. They understood that our words matter. And that God detests us lying to ourselves in the applause of God and the applause of men for things that we say are churchy and righteous when we're not. As a matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 5, You see where Jesus is talking to religious people and he's like, you hypocrites, you hypocrites. And he kind of lists off their sins, you hypocrites. And one of the very last things he says, you hypocrites, you're like a coffee cup that's cleaned on the outside, but it's dirty on the inside. And that you think people look at you and go, oh, man, they've got it all together. When in reality, no one would want to drink out of that coffee cup. Because who knows what's inside of there? And then he goes on and he says, listen, somebody's been, you've been whitewashing your tombs. You've been taking care of because that was something that was really big back then is to have a clean tomb. So when people went to go see your tomb that they would see it. And he says, listen, you're like those whitewashed tombs. But inside of the tomb, what's inside of there? Dead stuff. That's you. You've washed up and cleaned up on the outside. People are like, man, they look good. But on the inside, you're just a dead man walking because your lips give you away. You're a liar and not a truth teller. Why are we constantly lying? Because we want ourselves to be raised up. We're seeking glory for ourselves. We want the attention even to the detriment of our brothers and sisters next to us, we will put them down so we can be raised up. God despises our lies. He despises our lies. He wants us to make ourselves not appear righteous, but to be truly righteous. In those moments we minimize our sin. But also minimize the power of God's grace. That's why here one of the things that we say constantly that's a part of here is no perfect people allowed in this building. Why? Because you messed up before you even got here. Don't pretend that you're somebody that you're not. When you come through these doors, you're a sinner saved by grace that's in the process of being transformed and sanctified and that there's even stuff coming out of your lips that's not holy. But God, for our sake and our benefit, did not drop you dead in that moment because He loves you and He cares for you and you're on a journey to be like Him. But that every day is a moment for us to not us be raised up, but for Him to be raised up. That truth telling is truly a revolutionary act. And that the world is looking at us as somebody who says, I'm a follower of Jesus. And they're saying, well, we're going to watch how your, who your daddy is by the way that you act. Right? Y'all seen it. Y'all been to Walmart or HEB. Right? And you see some kids and you're like, mmm, if I was your daddy. Right? Well, that's the same thing. People are saying, mmm, who's your daddy? And by the words that come out, Scripture tells us our daddy's either God the Father or Satan. And I know our hearts, but man, we've got to quit pretending. Quit trying to raise ourselves up to some status that we think we've got to achieve. The only status we've got to have is to be found in Christ. Our location is in him and in him alone. And in him we find grace and we can be truthful. Here's why we can be truthful. It's because our eternal destiny is settled. Our identity is settled. I'm not junk. You're not junk. Why do we act like junk? We're not cheap trinkets. We're not leftovers. We are a child of God. And that means we can tell the truth, even if that means there's times where we've got to shine up some places that are dirty. Don't diminish the grace of God. So here's what I want to ask you as we finish up this thought. What is true about you? What lies have you been telling yourself that you haven't let the truth in? For where you don't allow truth in, you tell yourself a lie, you're holding on to bondage. There's are some areas of your life that you're, bond, you're in bondage and you want freedom. The reason that you haven't found freedom is just because you're not telling yourself the truth. Let me tell you a little story that's true about me. I have this app. Y'all know these little phones and these apps? All right. And so I'm, I'm a goal person. And so I constantly have a goal and, and I've had one goal for a couple of years at least. And one of that, that goal is to there be a little bit less of Chris at the end of this year than there was at the beginning of it. You get what I'm saying? All right. And so like I go to the gym and I'll do all that stuff. And, and, and that's a cool thing too. Like my, the app on my watch and that kind of stuff, like it checks my workout and it does it for me. And I can't lie. So like my family, the people that hold me accountable to that, like they know if I work out or not and how much I work out. And I see some of you at the gym and, and we probably need to hold each other more accountable, but we're working out. All right. But then I also have this other app on my phone that tracks how much I eat and like what I eat. Do you know that you can lie to those apps? <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm not kidding. Like seriously, like I have one that like tracks it. And so like I can put it in and I'm like, Hey listen, I, I went to Waterburger, okay? Let's just for instance, it's happened before. And, uh, I went to Waterburger and I ordered it, it's like a double cheeseburger with fries, all this different stuff, and I'm like, you know, really hungry. Wait a second, how close is a homemade Waterburger to a, homemade burger to a Waterburger? Oh wow, a homemade burger that's double meat is 150 calories less than a Waterburger. Oh, I had a homemade, I had a homemade burger. I didn't have water Waterburger. Like, large fries? No, I had a medium and like, Coke, no, it's really a diet Coke. You know what I mean? so you're like, and so if those areas, if we do this in our life, we distort the truth just enough in areas where we want freedom, we want to grow, but we continue to lie and not be completely truthful. And so we've got an app and we're just kind of feeding it like, "Eh, it's not convenient, right? Or whatever. Or you think, hey, I'm on the treadmill or you attach your, I've thought about this. I haven't done it is attach your watch to your dog for the activity and let your dog go and, like, show my daughter, like, whoo, I did 12,000 calories today, girl, what you been doing? You know, like, while you're watching the football game? And, like, you know, anyway. But we can't do that, right? So what lies do we tell ourselves that keep us in bondage when if we were to tell ourselves the truth and deal with the truth, we would find freedom? And what lies specifically in our spiritual life, as we pursue Jesus, do we kind of try to raise ourselves up so that we look more righteous than what we truly are? And that we're trying to do some stuff when we understand that our righteousness is found in Christ anyway, but we, we want people to think more about us. And that the cup is clean on the inside, outside, but on the inside, no one will want to drink out of it's nasty. It's got mold. It's got stuff. Here's what I want you to get in the midst of all that. The most beautiful thing is this. It's the beautiful thing of grace is that if we confess our mess and allow truth to enter, we can have freedom. We can have freedom. And I know that's your heart cry. Is that there's some areas of your life where you want freedom, quit telling the app lies so that you can find the freedom. And one final thing that means some of us, we need a friend. That is, First John tells us that we confess our sins one to another. The reason that we do that is because we find freedom in confessing so that at least someone knows who you really are. So as you walk, In life, you have freedom to know, listen, my natural heart vent is to lie and to raise myself up, but I know someone, someone truly knows me, and they know the mess of Chris, and they still love me. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you are a truth teller. Thank you that because of your desire for truth that your son, Jesus ...gave his life for us. Father, I pray for us in this room... ...that we would be people of truth... ...that we would know it... ...we would live in it... ...we would seek it... ...and that, Father, that in that... ...we would find freedom. Father, maybe for some of us in this room... ...maybe the most important thing is... ...we just need to find a friend... ...that we can do life with... ...on a deep, authentic, transparent level... ...that we can tell the truth... ...or maybe a counselor or something... Because we are walking dead people that need someone to know us and tell us the truth in love. Father, you've come to set us free, not to tie us down to rules and regulations. Father, move in our hearts and our minds this morning by the truth of your word. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.